0: welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. I want to talk this morning about the church. I know, Um, we've been going through our our series on repeat, talking about the things that we need to be continually reminding ourselves of. The truths of God's word and the things that he says about us and about himself are sometimes things that it's easy to forget. It's easy to get crowded out. It's easy to allow circumstances to convince us that something other than God's truth and God's reality is is real and so we need to be coming back to these things, reminding ourselves over and over again like, like our favorite song that we have on repeat that we listen to over and over again until it gets into our spirit until we believe it uh, with such conviction that nothing can shake it. And, and the church is one of those things and, and this is the, the message that I want to share this morning is that the church is God's plan. The church is is God's plan, the church is established by God, it's created by God. Now the church gets a kind of a bad bad reputation, it gets criticised in our community today, doesn't it? In our world today there's a lot of negative stuff and a lot of it, unfortunately, is deserved, let's be fair. But there's a lot of critics of the church and a lot of people that kind of look at church and go, Well, if that's a representation of God, then I don't necessarily want that. There's those who say the church doesn't do enough in our community. It should be doing more. It should be, you know, why isn't the church helping all these people or solving these problems or, you know, fixing this or fixing that? And there's other people that say, oh no, the church is too involved in society. The church should just butt out and mind its own business, you know. Uh, There's people who just want the the charity side of church, just want the the good works and the helping people and not the spiritual stuff. And and those that think that church just should be done away with altogether, does more harm than good. And sometimes when I look at, I guess, the, the broader church... The, the wider church around even in our country of Australia, when we look at the the arguing and the disagreements and the conflict and the fighting and the you know, all the, the kind of all that stuff that goes on sometimes in the church, I can understand uh, why people get put off of church. When I talk to people who've been hurt and wounded by leaders in the church. When I talk to people who've had bad experiences and have been put off because of things that people have done, I can understand some of that. And I know that these things grieve the heart of God much more than they grieve me or you. I know that people who do some of those kinds of uh, of wrong and sin in the church... Uh, in in God's name, it, it grieves the heart of God. And yet at the same time, the, we, we have to understand, and, and I think some of these perspectives come from not understanding what church is. I was reading uh, the Richard Wormbrand story, a Romanian Christian who was uh, imprisoned and, and tortured for, the Christian faith throughout the period of of communism in Romania, and he was kind of talking about this idea and sometimes those criticisms that were leveled against the church, and uh, he likened the church to um, to a hospital that's full of sick people. You know, we don't go around criticizing hospitals and saying, "Oh, hospitals are terrible because they're full of sick people." <laughs> And in the same time, the church is is full of sinners and full of broken and, and wounded people, people who make mistakes and, and who mess up. But in the same way, we have to understand that that is the purpose and the nature uh, of church. The church is not a place for perfect people. Sorry if you came here with that impression, but to be fair, the minute you walked in the door, it wouldn't have been true any longer anyway. Uh, <laughs> But the church, for all of its strengths, all of its weaknesses, all of its faults, when the church genuinely seeks to follow God and allow him to be the head, that is God's plan and not ours. The church is God's plan for you. The church is God's plan to help you grow. The church is God's plan to encourage you and strengthen you in your walk. But the church is also God's plan for our world. The church is God's plan for Australia. The church is God's plan for Wyala. And despite what anybody might think, God is still working in and through his church. God started the church. He sustains it. He equips it. And he is the head over it all. So the first point that I want to make if you're taking notes that's fantastic awesome write this down God created the church the church was God's idea God initiated it God implemented it Matthew chapter 16 Jesus is talking about that as even um, kind of before what we would call the the birth of the modern church Jesus is talking to Peter and he says who do you say I am and Simon Peter answered you are the Messiah the son of the living God And Jesus replied, you are blessed Simon son of John because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter which means rock and upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not overcome it. Now Jesus is not saying that he's going to build the church on Peter, he's saying I believe that he's going to build the church on the rock which is the revelation that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of the living God. But it's interesting here that Jesus is talking about the church, he says I will build my church. And I don't know about you, I don't know if this is just a a pastor thing or if you ever think this way or or feel this way, maybe less so. But uh, I think there's a lot of people in churches today that feel like building the church is our job. It's our job to make the church grow and, you know, whether or not we're doing it or whether (laughs) is another story. But it's almost like sometimes we kind of get into that mindset of thinking we're the ones who are supposed to be going out and bringing people in. Sometimes we put that responsibility on the, the church as an organization rather than taking any personal responsibility for that. But, but we kind of look at that as being, you know, well, people, us people within the church are supposed to be going out and bringing people in and sharing the gospel and, and all that kind of thing. And those things are true, but the responsibility for building the church is not ours. Our responsibility is to follow Jesus. Because Jesus said he will build the church. Our responsibility is not to make the numbers grow. Our responsibility is not to make people more mature believers. Our responsibility is not to to strengthen people's relationship or walk with God. Our responsibility is to follow what Jesus is telling us to do, to follow his commands, to love people, to share the gospel with them, to, 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 to be his hands and his feet in the world in all kinds of different ways, to love him. And to follow his commands, and I think we we can't control the outcome. I guess that's what I'm saying: is our responsibility is yes to do those things, but our responsibility is not to determine the outcome. Only God determines the outcome, doesn't He? And He carries the responsibility for it. I, I think about when I think about the the beginnings and the creation of the church as we know it today. I think about Acts chapter two. And the day of Pentecost and God just poured out the Holy Spirit and thousands of people got saved and, and and there was all these kind of dramatic stuff going on and there was noises and fire and tongues and all, all sorts of things happening and going on. Now that that's one of the, the moments in history and, and in the scripture when we look at it and, and as the birth of the Christian church. Now when we look at that I think the most defining characteristic of what occurred on that day was that it was a God thing. It was not something that was orchestrated by human beings. It was not something that was planned and prepared for by the people who were gathered together in that upper room on that day, was it? I'm pretty sure that it took them by surprise just as much as it took anybody else by surprise. And it was a just, you know, it, it was that sovereign act of God. And we look at that as the, if, if we look at that as the birth of the church, then who is responsible for the birth of the church? It's God, isn't it? God who, in his wisdom and in his sovereignty, poured out his spirit on humankind and established the church of God. Now, when we talk about church, what we're talking about is not an organisation, it's not a building it is a group of people who have been called by God. The the word in the New Testament uh, in the Greek that's translated as church is the word ecclesia, which means people who are called out. Now we're called out of the world, Scripture says, but we're not called to be apart from the world. We're called to be separate from the world, but in the world. First Peter 2 verse 9 says, For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. And when we use the word church, what we're talking about is every believer who has been called out of darkness and into his wonderful light. But Jesus also talked about being called out of the world but to be salt and light in the world, didn't he? Jesus described us in, in Matthew 5, let's, uh, oh, there's a little picture there, there's my light salt shaker. <laughs> salt and light in Matthew chapter 5 verse 13 uh, to 16, Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavour? Can you make it salty again? being salt and light in our world it it almost precludes us or I think it does preclude us from just separating ourselves and being apart from everybody because what good is uh, let me let me ask you this question how many of you have got salt at home in a salt shaker or a packet or something yeah 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 does it make your food taste any better if you leave it in the cupboard? doesn't really does it okay how many of you own uh, a light source of some kind apart from my children who turns lights on during the day (laughs) one or two maybe why do you turn the lights on because it gets dark right we turn the lights on when it gets dark. Nobody, nobody, you don't normally see people walking around outside in broad daylight using a torch to light their way. That's pretty unusual. We'd think that that person, that maybe there was something not quite right going on there with that person if that's what they were doing, wouldn't we? And this is the same kind of thing. Like for us, if we are salt, what do we get put into? Food that lacks flavour. And that's, that's the word. If, if we are just salt and we're just kind of all the salts together by itself in the cupboard somewhere un- being, not being used, we're, we're not really doing anybody any good, are we? If we are a light, where is the light most needed? In the darkness. We don't need a light in the daytime, in the bright light. The light needs to be in the dark place if it is going to be of any value to anybody And so it is with us. We are called to be different. We are called to be set apart, but for a purpose. We are called to be salt, to add flavor to a world that doesn't have it. We are called to be light, to light up the dark places in our world. Christ is the initiator and implementer of the church, but he is also the head over it. Colossians 1.18 talks about Christ being the head of the church, which is his body, and he being first in everything. So God created the church. Second thing, second point I want to make is that God loves the church. Sometimes it's hard to understand why when we look at some of the things that the church does or doesn't do, as the case might be. And we think, surely, you know, God will get frustrated, God will give up. And, you know, I think, but, but, but God still, in spite of everything, God loves his church for all its weaknesses, for all its flaws. Um, the, the first message that we did in this series um, was about God's love. For us, and so I don't want to go too much again over that territory. You can listen to that online, um, but I want to look just for a short time, just specifically about God's love for His church collectively. Jesus gave His life for the church, Ephesians 5. Uh, 25 to 27 and Paul's writing to, to families and he talks to wives and husbands and children but in 25 he says, for husbands this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish instead she will be holy and without fault and you know what here's part of the the spiritual reality is that when we look at the church we often see the flaws don't we we often look at outward behaviors we often look at actions or inactions do you know what God sees when he looks at the church A glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. For those who are in Christ, this is how God sees us. Holy and without fault. Spiritually, we are in Christ and we are holy. This is, part of, this is why Christ died for us. This is what this verse is telling us, that Jesus died so that we would be that rather than what we were before. And God looks at us in that way. God loves the church. When you love somebody, how do you show it? Jules, how do you show your w- lovely wife that you love her? Am I putting you on the spot? Is that okay? Just just one example of something that you've done to show your wife that you love her. Yeah, absolutely. Hugs are awesome. Neville, can I pick on you? <laughs> When, you, when, you, you, when you've messed up big time and you, your wife really needs to know that you love her, what do you do? Get some flowers. That's right. A good gift goes a long way, doesn't it? Mark, what do you do? I'm picking on all the blokes this morning. I'll find a, a, one of the women in a minute. Yeah. Awesome. You're a good husband. Uh huh. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, that's good advice. Right, Marisa, how about you? (laughs) <laughs> there's a great way to find out who's really paying attention is to ask somebody a question no i'm kidding i'm missing I'm so when you want to demonstrate to Buller that you love him and care for him what do you do show affection like a physical affection yeah fantastic there are lots of ways that we can show somebody that we care about and I'm not just talking about husbands and wives although they're easy examples but when we want to show our kids affection how do we do that we we tell them we use words we give them gifts we give them a hug or like physical affection um we do things for them we 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 serve um what have I missed uh quality, yeah we spend time with that person. One of the things that we see and, and one of the, the areas that we see God demonstrating his love for the church, uh, we, we can see it in a lot of ways but one of the ways that I want to look at specifically this morning is that he gives us good gifts. God demonstrates his love for the church in the way that he gives gifts and what kind of gifts does he give now Ephesians 4 verses 11 and 12 says now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church the apostles the prophets the evangelists the pastors and teachers now you might look at your pastor and think he's not that much of a great gift but um (laughs) no um But these are gifts that God gave to the church. Why? Their responsibility, verse 12, responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7 says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. God gives gifts to equip and to build up his church doesn't he and don't we see that when the gifts of the spirit when God's gifts are operating and working within the church that the church works better That people are encouraged, that faith is built, that lives are spoken into, that Jesus is honoured and glorified in our midst. And God gives gifts to his church because he loves it, he wants it to be strong, he wants it to be mature, he wants it to be complete, he wants it to be encouraged and strong and lifted up and built up. And again and again and again we see God as the giver. God as the one who loves his church, giving good gifts to build us up and to help us. God created the church, God loves the church and point number three, God works through the church and specifically works through the church in a lot of ways but specifically I want to touch on this morning that God works through the church to impact our community, to impact our world, to reach our people with the good news the church that is you and me the church is the vehicle that God uses to reach the world with the good news now that might be encouraging that might be scary that might be intimidating but he it's true (laughs) however we might feel about it We cannot deny the reality, Jesus talks about it, Uh, Paul talks about it, Peter talks about it again and again in Scripture. We see that God uses the church and works in and through us to connect people to himself, to draw people to himself. This is the avenue that he has chosen to use. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I look at that and I look at the effectiveness sometimes of myself in doing that and I think, God, there must have been a better option. (laughs) Surely, surely, like, there must be something that I'm not seeing here because surely, I, I think, God, you know, this would be so much more effective if you just came down and did it yourself. Don't you think that would be more effective? (laughs) And yet God has chosen to involve us in this process of spreading the good news about Jesus. And he does that in a couple of different ways. Um, Firstly, he works in and through us, his church, to demonstrate his love for people. John 13 Uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other. At first that doesn't sound too hard, they were probably all pretty close, they'd been spent the last three, the guys that he was talking to at the time would have thought, oh, you know, that's not too hard, we're getting along pretty well, we spent the last three years with Jesus and, you know, whatever, but he goes on, he says, just as I have loved you, you should love me each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples and we know that it isn't just our best buddies, it isn't just the other people in church as if that wouldn't be hard enough on its own but it's loving people. It wasn't, it wasn't intended to be savage um, or, or like any kind of insult, honestly it wasn't, I'm just saying like loving even the people that we get along with, the way that Jesus loves people is difficult. All right, is that, is that better? Is that okay? Clarifying. Um, but Jesus even encourages us to go beyond that and challenges us to love the people that we don't get along with. And as Kerry shared a, a couple of months back, um, you know that that challenge uh, also extends to: Are we willing to share the gospel with grace? And with kindness to people that don't like us or that we don't like or that we don't get along with or, you know, with with our enemies as um, Jesus said. Secondly, we are examples of his grace. A few weeks ago, we talked about how Paul uh, wrote and called himself the chief of sinners, but he said, God uses me as an example of how much grace he has. And he says, if he can forgive me and work through my life and restore me, he can do it with anybody. And you and I are also examples of God's grace. Not that we were somehow, you know, some sort of superior elect kind of group that God chose because of our virtues, But uh, almost the opposite, the word says that because of our failures, because of where we were at without God, he chose us in order that we might be a demonstration, an example of his grace to those around us. So God works through the church by demonstrating his love, uh, by using us as examples of his grace, and by telling people the good news about Jesus, Matthew 28 is, a, is what we refer to often as the, the great uh, commission. Uh, and Jesus is talking to it, some of the last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples when he passed on his mission and his, his commission to them. And he said, uh, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Romans 1 verse 16, Paul is writing this and he says, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work. This is is the gospel, this is the good news about Jesus that we've been entrusted with. Paul says this very gospel, this very message that we have is the power of God at work. And as we uh, share that with people, as we talk about the gospel with people as we have conversations and we, we bring God into that and, and love people and are and, and examples of His grace. He says, This is the power of God at work, uh, saving everyone who believes the Jew first and also the Gentile, which kind of includes everybody. In a lot of ways, as as intimidating as it sometimes is when we talk about this kind of stuff, particularly for those who are not extrovert people who like to talk to everybody all the time, uh, (laughs) the good news about this is that we actually get to be part of what God is doing. We actually get to help people to discover the joy and the peace and the amazing new life that comes with knowing Jesus. That's a pretty exciting thing. When you actually uh, walk through someone who's making that step for the first time, it's an amazing thing to be a part of that. And I think uh, that, that's an incredible privilege that God has given us. Even more good news, God actually helps us to do it, doesn't he? He says the Holy Spirit will give you words to say, and you don't need to stress too much about that, but um, in different situations, God actually works in the hearts of the people that we're talking to, as we pray for them, and as the Holy Spirit's doing stuff, he kind of does all the hard work, and we just kind of get to come along and be part of you know what the Holy Spirit is doing the The tricky part about this and and sometimes I think what we forget. Is that if we don't do it, nobody else will. And and this is one of the things that sometimes makes us question uh, God's wisdom. In some ways, is that He hasn't got some sort of like backup plan B if we get it wrong or we don't do it. He says, "This is it. I'm putting all my eggs in the church basket. This is this is how the good news is going to go forth. It's my church is going to do it, and and that's all there is to it." Sometimes that's, that's a little bit of a, a, a kind of a scary thing, isn't it? But knowing that, that he works in and through us, and he helps us, he equips us, he sustains us, he guides us, he leads us if we follow and if we're willing to be obedient, that he'll, he will do that with us. I think takes some of that scariness out of it, doesn't it? But sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we forget that, don't we? Sometimes we think, oh, it's all up to me. I do. I I forget that. And I think, I've got to find the right words and I've got to find the right moment. I've got to try to convince this person with my wise and reasoned intellect and good arguments. And I I neglect that, that the power of the Spirit at work. We are called... We're chosen. We are equipped. We are sent. If you've received Jesus as your saviour and if you've committed your life to following him, then you're part of his body, the church for the world. The church is his plan for you, put people around you to encourage you, to strengthen you, to help you to grow. The church is also his plan for our city, for our families, for our friends, for our state, for our nation, for our world. The church is how people will hear the good news. The church is how people will see demonstrations and and God's love outworked. The church is how people will know that God cares about them and loves them. And the church is how people will come into a relationship with Jesus and grow in their faith. Let's pray. Father, with you, that you establish this amazing thing called church. Well, we know that in there there are many ways in which it's not perfect, but God, you have washed it and you've cleansed it by your blood and you've made us holy and spotless before you. And Father, we... We will never stop giving you praise and thanks and honour for what you have done for us. Lord, we pray that you would help us to, uh, to, to follow you. That you would help us to be obedient in, in being the church that you want us to be. Father, we thank you that we don't do that alone, but that we do that with you with your strength with your equipping lord you give us gifts and you love us and you strengthen us and you pour out your spirit that we might be equipped and enabled to to be your church in our city father we pray right now for our city of whaler lord there are there are thousands of people in this city that don't know you and Lord, we want them to. Lord, we want them to experience a relationship with you. We want them to know the joy uh, and the, the peace that comes from knowing you as Savior and as Lord. Father, we pray for our friends. We pray for our family members. We pray for our, our work colleagues and, uh, and, and bosses and, and whatever might be the kind of people that we work with in every situation, God. We pray that we might have opportunities to talk about you, talk about the good news of Jesus, to invite someone into this thing we call church, this body of believers. Lord, we thank you for the people that are here, that are part of this family. I thank you that There are people that you've brought into my life to encourage me and to help me and to strengthen me and to lift me up when I need it. And that I have the opportunity to also help others. Father, we thank you for church. We thank you for your plan. We thank you that it is good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at bethelcrc.org.au or check out Bethel Family too.